From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. As the frontman of the rap collective The Coup, I think of Boots Riley as one of the greatest and most consistent musical artists in Bay Area history, and also one of the most cursed. The Coup's 2001 album Party Music, a propulsive and daring record that should have been hailed for its quality, was overshadowed by controversy. The original cover art featured the World Trade Center blowing up months before the September 11th terrorist attack. While they were touring in 2006 behind another excellent album, Pick a Bigger Weapon, the Coup's tour bus flipped over. But Boots Riley's first film has been nothing but positive news since it debuted at the Sundance Film Festival early this year. Sorry to Bother You, about an Oakland telemarketer who becomes the center of a struggle between the working class and corporate evil, is getting national distribution. Riley got to watch as Lakeith Stanfield, the lead in the film, became a bigger star after Sorry to Bother You was shot last year, with his performance in Get Out and the TV show Atlanta. With Sorry to Bother You opening in the Bay Area on July 6th, Riley has been promoting the film and also trying to appreciate the moment. Here's Riley talking about why he lingers in the audience for a while after the movie starts, including during a recent premiere at the Grand Lake Theater in Oakland. There, I want to see what different what different crowds respond to, what happens, because I think it's it comes from performing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was the thing that that I had to get used to, which was like when you're performing, you can read the crowd and be like, okay, I need to bring some more energy right here, or let's cut to the bridge, or you yeah. know, can't do that. This is a film, but still, me making the film to me is not just making this film up there like in space or whatever so yeah and especially it being Oakland um wanting to like see it with all those folks Riley came to the Chronicle early this week with Stanfield to talk about Sorry to Bother You and tour the Chronicle we found some 1967 SF State protest photos that included Riley's father Walter which I'll share on social media We also talked about former The Coup member Pam Warren, a.k.a. Pam the Funkstress, who fell ill suddenly last year and died in December. Warren left the group amicably years ago, but laid down The Coup's beats on most of the group's albums. Rest in peace, Pam the Funkstress. She was an incredible and inspiring Bay Area figure. Thanks to Boots Riley for sharing a couple of memories on this podcast episode. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome Boots Riley and Lakeith Stanfield, uh, filmmaker Boots Riley. I, I put the photo assignment in, and I got to tell you, I put filmmaker Boots Riley first, which uh-huh. uh, I, I have to think you have to be thinking about that now, because for 25 years you were rapper, musician, activist mm-hmm. Boots Riley. Well, I've always had all kind of titles that were, it was always hard to figure out what to describe myself as. So, I mean, filmmaker is just one more, but... Um, I'm happy that it means that people know that there's a film out. 
Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's cool. But what it also is like is like uh, I uh, did a tweet about it recently. It's like if I'm crossing the border into Canada and I'm Boots Riley the rapper, it's going to take three to four hours. <laughs> and uh, if I'm crossing as Boots Riley the filmmaker, it's 30 seconds. Oh, nice. Nice. You know? yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad for that. Um, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I remember 2012 when Sorry to Bother You, the album came out, reading a couple interviews and hearing you say it's a soundtrack. And that was the first I knew that you even had aspirations for mm-hmm. film. Um, how far back did they go? I was doing theater in high school. I was part of the Black Repertory Theater, which was in this little storefront. It's now this big place in Berkeley, but it was in this little storefront on uh, Alcatraz, which is now Alchemy um, Coffee, and uh, writing plays in school. And, you know, at the time when Spike Lee came out, of course, everybody uh, had the Campagnolo hats and biker shorts I didn't have that but uh and wanted to do film and I was one of those people and I went to San Francisco State uh for film and I was also doing music and we got a record deal at at the time and I quit doing uh film because at the time um it's not like going to film school in New York or LA I would imagine where Mm -hmm. there are people that just graduated and had done a film yeah you know or whatever or you know done feature and and also uh most of the people there at the time were doing kind of more experimental or documentary most of them not everybody and the people that you knew that graduated and did something big was like they worked for ILM which is not making your own film. Yeah. So getting a record deal, that was closer to making my own art and being able to say the thing I wanted to say. Were you shooting, I mean, because we're around the same age, and I remember my friends were shooting on the little, like, VCR, and Lakeith, I'm sorry, because I'm, I'm dating you. I know you're younger, but, you know, had the the kind of home videos. And no, we did, uh, it did, I used Super 8. Yeah. So because at least that looked closer to film yeah to me i mean it was film but it looked closer to the kinds of films i wanted to make and at the time you know vcr look i mean we i did we did that yeah when i was like in junior high school and stuff like that we made films with the vcr camera that my friend's father had so i missed the, the vcr look <laughs> yeah i love i mean i kind of grew up on uh you know sticking movies in the vcr and um, my grandma actually had one of those old turn the knob TVs. Uh, yeah. She still had one. All it did was broadcast snow, but it was really cool to me, like growing up seeing that she still had a rotary phone and all that stuff uh, when I was growing up. So it was cool to be in concert. She was a very sentimental person with those kind of things. <laughs> like, I'm not giving up my phone. I don't care what <laughs> new technology comes out. But yeah, I remember like VHS just really being. It was a part of the experience of like growing up. It was like my thing I went to and I stuck little like movies in there and escaped for a moment. And it was just like my thing. I loved movies and I loved like acting. I loved watching actors uh, very early on. So it was something that was like super part of my life. And I'm just sad that like there's no. Uh, but but it's now now they have like a VHS app on the phone where you can put it to your camera and then have the VHS experience through that. But. Uh, some of these kids will never know blowing off the tape and, and putting it in there, unfortunately. Yeah, I 
I gotta I gotta ask you uh, what you knew of Boots before you got attached to this role. I mean, had you yeah. listened to his music? Was it a surprise when you found out there was gonna be a film? It was a surprise when I met Boots. He's a very pe- peculiar individual. If I were to describe him here, using just your visuals, you might you might view him as a cartoon character of sorts because he's a little larger than life type of individual. And so when I met him, I was like, wow, um, uh, either this guy's really crazy or he has something in a bad way or he has something uh, that might be interesting exploring. And it came out to be a mixture of both, (laughs) but more so on the side that he was just a brilliant individual that could, could contain many, many things in his mind at one time. He just spoke slow so i just (laughs) but 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 everything that he said and contained in what he was saying was were things that were kind of blowing my mind because i hadn't heard him before and then i dug into his music and i found out that he had this band called the coup and um their music was actually in line with what who i am like i'm a rebel at heart and so uh, all the things that he was saying was speaking to me. I spit street stories till I taste the pavement. Trying to stay out the pier where we face enslavement. Had a foolproof hustle till they trace the payments. I was gripping my palm around some shitty run. Trying to find Psalm number 151. To forget what I'm old as a clutch to come over it. Put down the bottle and come get the gun. Let's get off the chain like Kunta Kente with a MAC-10. That one was gone like a dollar in a crack. And about revolution and, and all these uh, amazing things. And so his, his music would be the soundtrack to me in this movie and playing Cassius and Sorry to Bother You. And so when I was listening to it, it was the spirit that kind of um, drove me through. So um, after meeting him with him and having many conversations about the film and where he wanted to go, I knew that I had to I had to be a part of this and it, it might grow me if I was. What did, did you think about the script when you saw it? Because I, I, look, Keith, I noticed you with a movie called Crown Heights mm-hmm. and um, it was a very serious film and suddenly you're reading this surreal I'll call it science fiction this is going to be a no spoilers podcast but there's some bat s crazy things that go on in this script what did you think when you read it and what made you want to do it uh I, I first of all I thought I'd never really read anything like that before in my life and so and I'm so used to getting scripts that are kind of in the same vein and not very interesting or some sometimes I'll get one like Get Out that's like this super uh, dope and immersive, but it's not very often it happens and it's even less often than it happens from somebody black. So I was honestly when I first read it, I was like, he didn't write this. He didn't write this. There's no <laughs> way he wrote this. Like, because <laughs> I had never seen like that kind of thing. And I thought he was just like, you know, there was they described him as a rapper who's trying to do a movie. And I was just like, all right, let's see what's going on here. How most people probably thought. Yeah. But then when I got into it, I was like, well, actually, this is insanely brilliant. And and Boots is insanely brilliant. And not a rapper trying to make a movie, but someone that actually was like actually a filmmaker before and started getting into music and always has had a visual mind. And I wouldn't learn till later how valuable that was and, and how valuable it was being able to work with him and how much it stretched me uh, as an actor, uh, assuming this responsibility is a centerpiece of his story. Uh, I, I want to describe the film, but I'm afraid to because I don't want to give anything away. You're probably better at this than I am, Boots. Mm-hmm. Give, me a, give me a setup without giving away anything key. And I think it's more so than other uh, films you know, I think people should read all the reviews after because I'm afraid yeah. the reviews are going to give stuff away. And I write they reviews, do. but I'm going to yeah. tell people that. Some How people's you... reviews are just more like book reports, which is important if you're assuming that it's about a film that people won't go see. Yeah. You know, and there's something interesting about that to me because there's a lot of films I won't go see, but I want to know what 
their someone thought about it or their impact or whatever. But uh, I would say that this is uh, this film is an absurdist dark comedy with magical realism and science fiction inspired by the world of telemarketing. Um, and something I can say that maybe is in any trailer is that uh, uh, Cassius Green, uh, who's played by Lakeith Stanfield, is a black telemarketer with self-esteem issues and existential angst who discovers a magical way to make his voice sound like it's overdubbed by a white actor. Uh, that white actor is David Cross, and hilarity ensues. David Cross and uh, Patton Oswalt is also yeah, in the film. Were they committed early? I, mm -hmm. I stalk all of three of you on yeah. social media, and I know you're friends. But. Yeah. Well, so um, I'd done like a show or something where where David Cross was was on it as well, and I had his email from many years before. This is right after I finished writing the script uh, for the first time in 2012, and uh, he. And, and I hit him up, and he was like, yeah, sure, uh, send me a hard copy and to his house. And what I find out now is that he had no uh, intention of ever reading it, but his assistant was at the house, uh, house-sitting, and um, read the script, said that it was hilarious, and made him read it. He was the first person to sign on um, to it, and this was at a time when he had no money, no uh producers know anything like that just like yeah use my name and so him and Patton Oswalt that was in the same uh at the same relatively the same time getting Lakeith um that worked out fantastically oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean uh, yeah luckily he got way more famous after we uh signed him on <laughs> so, <laughs> so and also you know it's interesting to note uh, when I finished writing this, got to the end the first time, was the beginning of 2012. And from everything that I've heard, well, I know that he, his first feature hadn't been out yet. Had you even auditioned for that first feature by then? Uh, yeah, I actually had. Okay. Yeah, we were in the deliberation process. So, yeah, so yeah, that's what... So I knew that he was out there yeah. somewhere and wrote. So the, his career and this film developed at the same time. Um just to kind of come to this one point. How'd you how'd you feel about uh, uh, Boots and, and being on the set with him? It was great. It was great. We were working in an environment that was very uh, pressured because we had very little time, very little resources, and very big things that we wanted to accomplish. So we had to be focused, and we had to move and in an astute manner and, 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 and really just pick up the blocks and become creative. And that's why I enjoyed working with Boots because he he provided a platform where that was okay to be creative and never was stressed. If he was stressed, he didn't let us see it, which was good, because it it, it because it always allowed me to stay uh, centered, which allowed all the rest of the cast to stay centered. So he was a great uh, leader and a pioneer in moving this forward. For this to be his first film, I wouldn't have imagined. So if someone didn't tell me, um, there were definitely pitfalls and things that we had issues with, as there always are, and to a higher extent on indie movies and anything else. But those things served as things that helped us grow and helped us move forward 
And uh, we took some of the junk that we couldn't use and just put it on our heads and put it on our bodies and had it become a fabric of, uh, of this uh, piece here. And so people from the community came and helped. Everyone you know, that were local around uh, Oakland believed in Boots and believed in his vision and came and helped us, and, and San Francisco as well, helped us bring this thing together. And so we really just uh, appreciated the whole thing. And for me, it was a brilliantly difficult and amazing um, journey to take this uh, with Boots. And I was just, I was glad that he allowed and trusted me to take his vision and, and bring it to the screen. Because, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's, no one's seen anything like this. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it'll be an experience for sure. How, how stressed were you, Boots? I mean, by the time we were filming, I, I wasn't stressed because I was like, well, somebody has already forked up money. So it, uh, it's gonna happen, and uh, but but we definitely had long days, and a lot of things that we were uh, trying to make happen, and there was a question of whether they would be able to happen. We we shot um, sixty one locations in twenty eight days, yeah, and so um, there were often a lot of long days. I mean, part of the thing is I've had, went most of my life being tired and not getting enough sleep. So, um, shooting it wasn't thing. Of course, there were like, the, you're like, are we really going to be able to do this thing that I want to do, or do they not have time to build it? You know, those yeah. sorts of things. There were, there were. I mean, that's not stressful. Those are problems that come when you're like collaborating and trying to make something happen. Um, so yeah. A lot, a lot of exteriors, and I think Oakland's really a, a, a character in the movie. Um, I can't what does imagine. that mean? I think because I hear it and I think it's a cliche that doesn't really explain. Not to say no, this, no, but, no, no. But I, because you people challenge me. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if I have someone from out of town and they want to know what Oakland is, I think this gives a good visual of a lot of different places oh, yeah. and a lot of different people and the sense of community. Um, yeah. I, and I'll, I'll start with the beginning, um, you know, the relationship between Cassius and his uncle played mm -hmm. by Terry Crews is loving and stressed. And that's how I felt. I lived in Oakland 15 years and I felt that way with my neighbors, you mm. know, that we were, uh, so I, I don't mean it yeah. as a negative. I don't No, no, it, I don't think it, 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 it I don't, no, no, no. I don't, I don't think you meant, meant it as a negative, but you know, when, you know, doing these interviews, people have asked that. And I was like, well, I, you know, I feel like location in where you grew up in and where you live that makes up a big part of who you are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I, and I, I don't think it's a, you know, a bad thing to say. It sounds like kind of a meta, uh, you know, you can, you can say it in a way that, that, that it symbolizes maybe how a, film shows up but I don't know I think that probably it for me even in all of my writing uh the things that I describe are about what's around someone and you know like I put in details of you know the colors around some of the textures and all that because for me I feel like that's always part of the story no matter what yeah you know how was it shooting in Oakland? Um, was there cooperation? Was uh, yeah. To... Well, the place that did not cooperate with us at all was the Kaiser Building, uh -huh. Kaiser Corporation. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> they, that's the building that we shot in front of for the uh, telemarketing thing. Yeah. And they didn't want us there at all. They didn't, you know, they, it didn't. They didn't care. They didn't care whether it put them out or anything. They just didn't want the movie to happen for some reason. It, it, there was there. It was just weird. And so, um, we don't like them. Valero was Every, good to you. I don't want to give away yeah. too many locations. But yeah, all these scene. places were were real. Yeah, they were really good. We got a lot of uh, places for free. My uh, boy Victor Kali gave us. That's was like. There's a chic apartment in it, and gave us that. People gave us really good deals on everything they wanted the film to happen. Um, and yeah, so that that part was for um for the most part really good so were you guys able to have fun i mean i i it sounds like a really tight shoot under 30 days i mean i don't for me i've i've traveled all over the world but i've never taken a vacation it's i'm traveling when i'm working and making something happen so for me i'm being creative and that's sometimes that's people's that's what people do for their time off from work, yeah. you know? So um, it's hard for me to sometimes like be like, I'm having fun, but I'm, I'm making something and I'm feeling engaged because of it. I heard a new song in the, in the movie. Well, there's I... about 11 or 12 of them. Yeah. It's a full new album. Yeah. So is that, is that coming out soon? Yeah, it'll be in matter of fact, that's why I was up all night. I haven't been asleep. Um, because we have to turn in the finished soundtrack. We had to go back in and tweak stuff and turn it in supposedly right now, but it'll probably get turned in tomorrow. <laughs> we were making most of the music while um, we were editing yeah. for 10 hours a day. And uh, I that was the part that during that, that was really stressful. That was... Uh, I, I wish that I hadn't promised to make the soundtrack. What do you feel like next? I mean, do you feel like making a film next? Do you feel like touring with your band? Do you feel like getting that vacation finally? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's more like I owe it to my family to have some time to spend with them. However, um, just the way things are set up won't be a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, but my life will be set up now in a way because I will be, my next projects are um, film and TV projects uh-huh. and uh, that I already have the deals for. And so I'll be able to maybe have a, a life where my work day ends, yeah. <laughs> which I haven't had in my adult life yet. Is that anything you can talk about with me? your next that, as much as i did yeah yeah that's it i mean that might have been supposedly too much but yeah okay well that's the first i had heard of it so. yeah <laughs> um, yeah you people heard it here first yeah well keith did you enjoy the shoot being in oakland and getting to getting to see the bay area and i should ask you if you had been able to spend much time here even before that no i hadn't spent much time here before that at all um but uh i loved a lot of the things that came out of oakland um uh, and uh, yeah, I've, I've I've been wanting to go for a while, and finally was uh, brought in this movie. I enjoyed it immensely. It was an opportunity for me, and I got to meet a lot of brilliant, cool, great people, and work with people that I've been wanting to work with. 
And, uh, yeah, it was just a, a great opportunity. The whole crew, everybody was great and cool. Uh, we had no meltdowns or no crazy uh, uh, breakups or whatever uh, happened on the on the cast. Everything was pretty smooth, and we were pretty focused, and um, it was great. I was, yeah. I was glad to be there. I wanted to ask about the Grand Lake because that was the last time I saw you, and uh, yeah. it, it seemed like that was a special experience for you. I don't oh, want yeah. to get too private, but Definitely. but but walking out uh, from the from the after the introduction, we're going to an area where the press is going to interview you while the people are watching the movie, and it seemed maybe I imagined it that you hung back and had a moment there, oh, yeah. and I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to experience the film with everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, to see what their reactions are. The folks at Annapurna who are distributing it uh, the other day, they were like, well, I've never seen a director sit through as many screenings as you have. So, Because often I'm there, I want to see what different, cr- what different crowds respond to, what happens, because I think it's, it comes from performing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that was the thing that... that I had to get used to, which was like, when you're performing, you can read the crowd and be like, okay, I need to bring some more energy right here, or let's cut to the bridge, or, you yeah. know, can't do that, this is a film. But still, me making the film, to me, is not just making this film up there, like, in space or whatever. So, yeah, and especially it being Oakland, um, wanting to, like, see it with all those folks was it reassuring what you saw or did you second guess yourself when you see the crowd watching the film like that mm. no yeah it definitely was reassuring um and we've gone around the country doing these screenings and sometimes they're at film schools or whatever and so like there's filmmakers that that are i i, I want to say new filmmakers but that's me but young filmmakers that are in film school coming up and saying this changed my idea of what my job is and it cha- or changed my idea of what I can do you know it is it's gratifying to see it see something you make work just on an artistic level mm-hmm. see something you make be something that hits people in a certain way Lakeith are you watching the film all the way through or are you getting dinner <laughs> watch probably gonna watch all the way through um i just i don't get tired of watching it yeah. uh, it's a rare thing when that can happen i think but yeah, i just still haven't got tired and also i'm still seeing new things every time i see it so yeah i'm excited to watch again give me an example um i don't know just like little tip i don't know if i could without spoiling some things oh, but yeah, yeah. this is spoiler free we've, yeah. we've done really far and we're coming to the end and we haven't spoiled it so. yeah there's just always cool things and i've watched it enough times now where i can take myself out of it and kind of watch it as its own thing and not be looking at me and what I'm doing in it. So yeah. it's it's much more fun that way. Well, I wanted to close with uh, the very end of the film, which I don't think it's a spoiler. Uh, I saw you dedicated it to Pam Warren, Pam the Funkstress. I wanted to start by... That I, and my mother. So That and your yeah, mother, yeah. yeah. And, um, and my mother. Excuse me, I, I interviewed Pam last year for when she was... Uh, after Prince died, I did a yeah. profile of her and uh, she spoke very positively of, of, of you and of... Mm-hmm. joining the coup i wanted to ask you if you had a remember the first time you met her first time i saw her was at the dunphy hotel in yeah the uh, castle san in san mateo yeah like castle shaped hotel yeah they used to 
there's, and I'm sure they exist, there used to always be these hip-hop conferences, and since it was a time, I don't know, I, I don't see them around, but I'm just maybe not in that same milieu, um, but they, uh, you you pay $100 to go to these conferences, and people sit on panels and tell you the way that you're supposed to configure your demo tape, and you know, and then if you pay a little bit more, you can perform. You know, it's really like a pyramid scheme or something like that. Yeah. Um, and they'd promise a couple people from the industry. There'd probably be somebody who was like just above an intern at Def Jam that was on a panel or something like that. And, you know, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I saw her performing with uh, with Funk Lab All Stars and she just had this joyous uh way about her on on stage you know especially like hip-hop in the way it's supposed to be like someone's hard or they're, they're very skilled and te- i mean she was so skilled that she was just having fun yeah all the time and then when i met her it was at tupac's album first album release party and that was at the place that is now the gold club it's now a strip club but i don't yeah. remember the name of the uh the venue it was uh but she was djing there and i actually had gone there to meet her we had already been recording and stuff like that i was like i went there to get her in into the group to meet her you know and she just kind of had this this confidence that and she already was like everybody wanted them wanted her djing their party and all that kind of stuff she enjoys enjoyed all of it but Definitely, I think she enjoyed, even at a time when she was more considered a DJ, like a competition DJ, she thought it was all about the party, mm-hmm. meaning all about the people dancing, and um, which speaks a lot, about, spoke a lot about how she viewed herself in connection with other people. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I, I thought she was wonderful, and, and uh, she, people don't, I don't know if people know, because she wasn't on the last album, and I know she didn't tour with you guys, but she had a whole catering business, and yeah. she had, what she I had been doing was, it since the 90s, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, she, she, uh, it, it was hard for her to tour, and, and, and keep that going, because one time she tried to do that and get a family member to take over while she was gone and it almost collapsed the business so she was like i'm not doing that again yeah well rest in peace pam the funkstress i yeah uh, she i really enjoyed her and um, she was uh yeah she was always if you ever saw her driving in a car she was usually driving something that was like some had some engine in it like a mustang or something like that and would often like just do donuts and you know and like just as she left or whatever like you know you you know she's this short girl always smiling or whatever and um yeah she and you know but then she'll let you know like honk the horn and then go rev the engine (laughs) you know yeah well, I want to thank you both for coming in. I love the movie. Um, I can't wait to see what you're doing next. And I hope you get a vacation. 
Uh, well, I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying that to because I, I I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm just yeah. saying my way of being able to enjoy it is it's always mixed in with work. Yeah. Well, I hope people check out the movie, see it spoiler free. Thank you very much. Yeah. Boots thanks so Lakeith. much. Thanks yeah, for thank having you me. very yeah. much. You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to our guests, Boots Riley and Lakeith Stanfield. Executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and our editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community. Read our columns and subscribe to The Chronicle at www.sfchronicle.com. San Francisco Chronicle podcasts are on iTunes and other streaming services. Listen at www.sfchronicle.com slash podcasts with an S. So the sign people, you describe the sign to the people listening on the podcast. What's that there? Yeah. Well, we'll take a photo with it oh, later. Okay. All right. Um, I bought that. I keep telling, I had my editor on last week and I'm like, I bought it. So if I get fired, that's coming, <laughs> coming out under my arm. You know? Yeah. And hold on. It's gonna... very official. Well, it's kind of this velvet lunch lady board, you know, it's mm-hmm. nothing extravagant, but I like it because when people come in. They know I made some effort, you know? Like, yeah, I took the time definitely. to get the letters for your name. Yeah. <laughs> That's All really right. cool. We're going to start in three, two, one.